to the Urban Planners Podcast, hosted by Gigi the Planner. This podcast is about all things urban planning related and otherwise. In this setting, we'll discuss the ins and outs of the planning field. We'll even delve into some very controversial topics involving the role planners have to take in their everyday lives and jobs. Without further ado, let's jump right into today's episode. This This is Gigi the Planner. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 24 of the Urban Planners Podcast. In today's episode, we will be talking about the role that other professions play in the planning field. So let's get started. So the first profession that I would like to talk about is the profession of architecture. That profession is about the design of built structures, predominantly buildings, houses, buildings, those types of buildings, not bridges and stuff like that. That will be more of an engineer. But architects are about the design of buildings. So in the field of architecture, we have what we call architects, licensed architects. You have to go to school for that. You have to get either a five-year degree in your bachelor's program or get a uh, bachelor's and a master's to be able to become a licensed architect. Now, the way that architecture and planning are intertwined is the fact that with planning, planning basically is the outside of the structure, right? So everything on the outside of the structure is what we do in planning, and we plan around the building, basically. It's probably the best way to to explain it. Plan around the building. Now... Like in my job particularly, I work in planning and zoning in the city. So how I would quote unquote sort of work with an architect is the fact that I have to tell the architect, your building can be placed here on the site. It has to be this many feet from the property line, those types of things. I don't get into the nitty gritty of how it can be designed. That's up to them. I don't get into the nitty gritty of where things are to be placed within the building. I don't even care about that. All I care is about where it's placed on the lot, the size of it, the height of it. Outside of that, the architect can use their own creativity on their project. So that's generally how, where I work specifically in planning and zoning department in the city of Pompano Beach, how my work and my profession influences architects and architecture. So those are, like I said, the outside of the building is what I care about. I don't care about what's inside. I don't care, necessarily care about how many rooms per se. Now that can come into effect a little bit, the number of rooms, but it's really based upon like lot coverage. Lot coverage meaning a certain percentage of the lot has built structures on it. We don't want the whole lot to have a structure. We do want to allow for greenery, we want to allow for trees, you have to have a driveway, all those things play into effect. I'm talking specifically for a house of some sort. So we don't want to have a property that's just fully developed, no green space or anything. We have to have that because our ecosystem needs it and we need that to live. So that's sort of how architects and planning we work together. Now, for me personally, I don't actually work with any architects one-on-one. 
if somebody wants to come and build a building, a lot of times they will go to our code, see what our code requires, see what the height regulations are, those types of things. Now, if they have any questions or don't fully understand the code or whatever the case may be, then, of course, they can come to me and I can explain it better for them. So, that's sort of how architectural planning are intertwined a little bit. Now, a lot of times there are architects that are planners. So, you can be a planner as an architect. You cannot be an architect as a planner. Because to be an architect, you have to have a degree in architecture. Planning is one of those fields that... You can have whatever type of degree, and you could be a planner, basically, because we don't have anything that's solid in the planning world to state that you're a planner. You could not even have a degree and call yourself a planner. It's just about what you do on the day-to-day. So that's sort of like a good synopsis of the, the intertwining of architecture and planning. Architects design buildings. And how I usually try to simply describe urban planning is urban planners design cities. We design this space. Now, right in the middle of that is urban design. And then I would say landscape architecture comes in underneath that. So we have architecture, urban design, landscape architect. And I would say that urban design meets in the middle between architecture and landscape architecture. Now, urban design, let's talk about that a little bit. Urban design is a new profession, I would say. Generally, urban designers are people that have an architecture degree. And the reason that's the case is because there's not really that many schools that offer an urban design degree. So most urban designers tend to be architects. So you do need to have some design background. A lot of times in planning school, you don't get enough design. So you really can't operate in full capacity as an urban designer being a planner. Now, not to say that you can't if you learn those skills, but a lot of times planning school doesn't teach you the urban design skills that's needed. So urban design is designing space. That's like breaking it down a little bit more. So urban planning designs the gamut of the city. Urban design is coming further down and designing the space. For instance, that's where sometimes landscape architecture also comes in there a little bit. So you're designing the outside of a building. A good example would be like a university. That's a big campus. You design the outside. The architect would design the building itself. The urban designer would design the space outside. That's why I say architecture and urban design and landscape architecture, they're all sort of intertwined into similar experiences. Landscape architecture and urban design are also very closely connected. So I'm talking about urban design, that's designing the space outside of a building. Now let's get into landscape architecture. Landscape architecture is also closely related to urban design. A lot of urban designers are landscape architects. They go hand in hand pretty well. Actually, at my job, we have urban design planner position. And two of the people that are the urban design planners are licensed landscape architects. They don't really do a whole bunch of urban design work per se, but they are the best people for that role because they understand how to design the space. Space meaning so landscape architecture is all about designing the greenery, basically. You're designing the trees, 
I know, it's kind of funny that you design the trees. You pick the trees that were to go into an area, so you have to know the, all the species. You have to know what's good for the area. Not all trees would be able to thrive in all environments, so you have to understand that. Understand what's, you know, good sod, mulch, all those different types of things. So you are, a lot of times, designing the space. You design what type of plants can go there. Um, now, for me, I work for the city. We have a zoning code. Our zoning code requires a certain number of trees on properties, certain number of hedges on properties. We have had the percentage of sod, sod in previous area, those sort of like, I don't know if considered the same thing, but sod meeting grass generally. So landscape architects, they have their own plans. Architects have their own plans. So architectural plans would be the building. Landscape architecture plans will provide, show you where the sod is located, where the trees are located, what the species of the trees are. We also have height requirements for the trees. You need to keep in mind that certain trees grow really tall. There are certain trees that grow taller than others based on the species. If there are overhead power lines, you have to take that into consideration. So that's sort of how the landscape architect comes into my world, in my planning and zoning world. They have to meet those requirements now for me personally i don't review the landscape architecture plans the only thing that i really review relating to that is if they have screening around their equipment so a lot of places not just the sea that i work in but other places as well they want you to have screening around the mechanical equipment to sort of soften the effects of hard core metal sitting outside the property so that's to give it some good aesthetics so that's usually what i review is make sure that they have their proper screening for either pool equipment ac units those types of things now when it comes to the more logistics of if they have the species of the trees and all those different types of things our landscape inspectors review that they're more apt on that they understand the species. I do know some. Now, being that I've been working for the city for a while, I do know some about that, but not a whole lot, I would say. Not enough to fully explain to people. I don't even know what the different trees look like. I know what a palm is, but that's about the extent of me differentiating maybe like a canopy tree and a palm. That's it. All those, the gumbo limbo and the oak and the silver buttonwood and the, all these I mean, I know the names, but I really, by looking at it, I can't really say that I know what the trees are. So I can't always give good advice to people about their landscapes and their trees. So that is like another layer of another profession that I deal with in my world of planning and zoning. We talked about architecture, talked about landscape architecture, talked about urban design. We don't too much deal with urban design, at least me. Personally, urban design is a term that's there, but it's a fluid term. A lot of times, you don't really need an urban designer for projects. If you have a landscape architect, that's all you need. An urban designer usually would not know all of the aspects of different types of trees that would be required or would be allowed or could thrive in a certain environment, unless the urban designer has a degree in landscape architecture. So yeah, so landscape architecture, I would say more so than architecture, landscape architecture is a good degree to get if you are trying to work in the urban design field. 
So also another group that we work with is engineers. Now, for me personally, in our department at least, we don't really work too much with engineering per se as it relates to those types of things. Now, for the city, engineering regulates roads, canals, those types of things. Anything outside the boundaries of a property, basically engineering regulates. The engineering department in the city regulates that. But it still has an effect on urban planning overall. So a lot of times engineers, civil engineers specifically, a lot of them work with transportation. A lot of them work with transportation planners. You have to understand that. We have to work together in that instance to understand like all those different levels of the level of service, A, B, C, and D, as it relates to how well a, a road works. So we do have to work with them on those bigger projects, like citywide type projects that are the impact, you know, the masses. Like I said, roads, water, bridges, all those different types of things have to be looked into on the engineering side, right? And then there's another profession that is a totally different side of things. It's sort of like in the architectural realm a little bit, the, the building division. So we have in the city, and I know a lot of cities, they've... Merged and started doing this as well as we have what we call the development services department. The development services department is comprised of, in our city at least, it's comprised of the building division, the business tax receipt. Now, that's also considered occupational license if you guys don't understand that. A business license basically to operate your business in the city. And then we have our landscape, which is urban forestry. And then we have our planning and zoning division. So, The building division, they're a whole group and team of individuals that work in that department, in that division, and all they do is dealing with the building and abiding by the building code. Now, we in Planning and Zoning, we deal with the zoning code. They abide by the building code. Now, the building code is statewide. We don't have a city building code. We have a city zoning code. But they have to abide by the Florida building code here in Florida. So there's like a lot of different layers to it. Honestly, we have the inspectors. We have the plans examiners. We have other people that work in different roles. We have our customer service people. All those different people working together. I think we have about maybe 60 or 50 that work in the building division in their roles. Within all of that, there's like the mechanical, there's the electrical, there's the structural, and they all review and inspect based upon their level of expertise. So those individuals are that work on our department, we have to work with them. So when plans come into the city, we say, okay, they're submitted to the building division for the per- for their permit. And then it's routed to multiple people depending on what the project may be. So it's routed to the building division. If they've got a building, it's usually always routed to the building division. And it's a lot of times routed to us as well, zoning, if it has anything that's related to the outside of the property. Now, if they're just doing interior stuff, then zoning doesn't need to see it. But if we have anything dealing with the outside of the building, we will need to see it and review it and provide our comments. And then we got the landscape division as well. 
Another big component, especially for planning and zoning departments within cities or counties or whatever the case may be, is the business tax receipt division. They're housed in our department, the Development Services Department. And basically what they deal with is the business licenses as well as contracted licenses, but I'm not going to really talk about contracted licenses today. But the business licenses is where we in planning and zoning get involved. So we have this application called a zoning use certificate. Now the zoning use certificate is actually an application that people have to submit and we planners review it and we tell them whether or not their business can be allowed at a particular address. Now, for me, personally, I do sort of enjoy that process. I think it's very important. A lot of people don't even realize that that's like a whole thing. Me being the planning and zoning in this industry, I know that every business, anything that you want is not just allowed right off the bat, right? Just because you may buy a property or have whatever rights you think you may have, you really don't have it. So, that's what we do. We get the application, we review it, we look to see, well, do they have everything that's needed to go here? So first off, we check the zoning for the property. Okay, now will this zoning allow for this business? Yes, okay, check. So then we check to see what was previously approved there. And the reason why we checked that particularly, because that could help with a number of things. If they previously had the same type of business there, so if the business they're proposing is an auto dealer, and it's usually we have used auto dealers, usually we have more than new. If it's a used auto dealer and it was previously a used auto dealer, then they're good to go, approved. Now, if that's not the case, then they may need to get a change of use permit. And a change of use permit is basically a permit that people have to obtain to get their business operating at that address. So if the building was a beauty salon and now they want to change the auto dealer, those are two different use classifications based on the building code. So they will have to get a certificate of occupancy to actually get that approved. So they'll have to do that process first and they'll come back and apply again for the application and then I can approve it. Another thing that we also look at is parking. That's like one of the big things. So first we check to see is the is the business permitted at this location? Yes. Then we check do you need a certificate of occupancy change of use? Okay and then the third thing would be Parking. Now, if the business previously was the same type of business, then we want to check for parking because it would have been the same thing. Now, if it's not, we have to look to see, does this property have enough parking for this use? Now, it can get a little tricky when you're talking about like shopping centers and you have multiple businesses there and each business is required to have a certain number of parking spaces, it can get a little bit tricky. So you have to do a lot of digging and a lot of research and all those different types of things for that. And so that is something that we have to look into, making sure that this use is gonna have sufficient parking. So that's a, that's a really big thing and that could cause somebody not to be able to open a business. And then we also have those people that come in for home-based businesses. So home-based businesses is another aspect. We get a lot of those. A lot of people are, you know, small entrepreneurs, 
one one man show. Uh, we had to look at that a lot. A lot of what we review with that is you know are the people that's associated with the home based business are they living in the house? You can only have employees that's living in the house to be a part of that. So that's one thing. We also check to see if a person is actually living at that house because you can say you want to have a home based business but you're not actually living there. So that that can't happen. You have to be living at the house. And then there's also certain types of businesses that can't go there. So, for instance, like even today, I was speaking to an applicant, and he was telling me that he wanted to have a commercial boat at his house for his business of taking people, dropping them off, and just having this different excursions along the river or the canal. And so... I told him that he would not have been allowed to do that. And the reason being is that we don't allow commercial boats on private residences. You would need to have a marina for that. So if that would have been the case, he would have been able to get approved. So that's another aspect. And then the third thing that we a lot of times review is also rental applications. People that own property outside of the residence that you live in, a lot of people own other property like apartments, condos. And so when you're renting out these apartments, you have to get a business license for that. So what we have to check is we have to check to make sure that we have a CO for the number of units that you are saying that you want to have. I'm pretty sure somebody in buildings should maybe review that because we don't even really deal with COs in zoning. But CO is a certificate of occupancy. So with the certificate of occupancy, it means that you can move into that property and can operate as you've been designed to do so. In the process of building and permitting and everything, that last, that CO seals the deal, basically. Okay? So your first step, you got to go to planning and zoning, get approved through us, then you got to go to building, get your permits, then you got to get your inspections, and then you get to the CO. When you get the CO, that means you can move in and operate. So... With apartment buildings, if you have a CO for 15 units and then you're coming and providing your application saying that you want to have 17 units, that doesn't add up. And so usually what happens with stuff like that, people illegally add a unit, they'll like break up an apartment and then just add another unit, and that happens all the time. I would probably say... More than 50% of the time, I find out that there's illegal units being done. So we end up having to reject them and saying that you need to get a CO for that. Now, in some instances, they can go back and get a CO. And there are some cases where the zoning just wouldn't allow for as many units. I know I went to the long run on all of this, but I think it's very important for you all to see how these different professions and Divisions within the city all work together. Also, like I mentioned, engineering is like another aspect. We also work with fire a little bit because they're all part of the site planning process for developments. We even work with the police, with SIPTED, Crime Prevention Through Environmental Design. They also are an integral part as well. It's very interesting like how we have to work with all of these different agencies and divisions and departments just to get a plan approved and done. So if you have wanted to know any more or like me to do any 
other future episodes about this topic, I would more than gladly do so. That's all we have for today, folks. Ciao. Thanks for listening to the Urban Planners Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please head over and leave a five-star rating on iTunes and subscribe to this podcast so that you won't miss out on an episode. If you would like to buy personalized urban planning gear and other products or are in need of some urban planning career coaching, please head over to ggtheplanner.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and on Facebook at ggtheplanner. Have a great week and we'll see you next episode.